Welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. What does Naomi Simpson and Seth Godin have in common? They all started out as freelancers. Being your own boss is the freelancer's dream, but for many, it's only one part of a much bigger journey. National Freelance Day this year, yes, there is one, will explore what it takes for freelancers to become not just sustainable, but what freelancers can do to begin expanding and diversifying their careers or business, of which I am also one. I'm classified as a freelancer. So today's show is in celebration of the rise of freelancers. Our first guest co-founded Freelance Australia, so I thought it was a really good place to start. Welcome, Cameron Rambert. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you in the studio, Cameron. Now, your background is an entrepreneur. You, We know... Those that listen to this show regularly might go, that name sounds familiar. We've spoken to you about the Frankston Foundry. You're heavily involved in startups. You do a lot of work with entrepreneurs. And then I find out in your list of credentials that you've started this organisation, not-for-profit organisation called Freelance Australia. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so it started out when I, uh, I was quite heavily involved in the startup scene and um, was uh, headhunted to join an agency um, to bring my startup marketing background to an agency environment, trying to help corporate startups um, be more agile. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, uh, it was like a bit of a square peg in a round hole. Um, it didn't really fit into the large agency environment, uh, dealing with bureaucracy, large corporates. So subsequently, I got fired, and the feedback they gave me was I was too entrepreneurial for the place. Mm-hmm. Um, taking that literally, I decided to do my own thing, uh, freelancing, uh, started at home full-time and uh, within about two or three years I uh, built up a business that was able to sustain myself. Um, working from home I found to be extremely isolating. Uh, you start getting into your own head, you go a bit stir-crazy, so I started a networking group uh, called Freelance Melbourne um, and that group uh, met up for coffee every fortnight to talk shop because uh, what, what was particularly interesting is this, regardless of the professional background, uh, freelancers all share the same challenges. Um, and that group grew organically uh, over the space of two or three years to the 3,500 uh, freelancers in Melbourne and Sydney. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. That was Can you give me a, a, uh, an idea of time? Like, how long ago was that? So that would be about three years ago. Oh, only three years ago. Oh, okay. sorry. Time flies, actually. Yes, it, it was does. about five years ago. <laughs> and about, and yeah. about three years ago, we formalised an entity to, I guess, represent that community. So, uh, I'm a big one on language and terms, and I'm interested in the term freelance because I technically fall under that, but I'd never, ever describe myself as a freelancer. I probably use the word consultant mm-hmm. or there's subcontractors and contractors. What's the difference? So there is a group of people who self-identify as being a freelancer, and that you find they're typically your creative class or your um, oh, okay. smaller independent um, you know, tech technical freelancers. Uh, See, I'm not technical or creative. That would explain (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, by definition in terms of, uh, I could be wrong, it could be ASIC or the ATO, I can't recall which specific one, Um, but they classify freelancers, anybody who is self-employed, service-based and completely sole, so they don't have any uh, additional employees. So that actually makes it quite a significant proportion of the population. Yes. Everyone from your local tradie to, um, you know, your creative designer uh, down the road. So that's quite a large spectrum. Yeah, and so Freelance Australia, the not-for-profit, when did you start that? Uh, so that was three years ago after right. we saw uh, a lot of members of the community um, grappling with the same issues, uh, particularly around policy, um, around uh, accounting and 
tax you know benefits and that sort of thing mm -hmm. so uh, we decided to give that that cohort a voice uh, under the brand freelance Australia we also had um, inquiries from you know freelancers in other states looking to do similar sort of networking meetups so we wanted to put them all under a single umbrella and that's how uh, freelance Australia started okay oh, I've got so many questions but before <laughs> we go there I think it's best to pose these questions to a group now you've got a conference coming up which I am thank you uh, you've asked me to speak which I've agreed time we're talking about how to build a brand I'm excited for it. <laughs> Pardon? I'm excited for you talk. Oh, that's yeah. a, oh, no pressure. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm actually I'm excited to be there. I'm excited to I suppose expose myself to a group of uh, an audience that I don't usually uh, get in front of. So that's really exciting. Now that's next Thursday, the 15th of March at Northcote Town Hall. Yes. And as part of pulling that together, it's your second conference. Is that right? Yeah. So um, one. we had one a couple of years ago, and we were meant to do one last year, and you know for. You know, oh, okay. reasons so outside of our right. circumstances, yeah, yeah. we pushed it to this year. But so it's National Freelance Day next Thursday, is that right? That's right. Did yeah. you create that? Uh, in Australia, yes. Did you? Um, so uh, oh. there is one overseas in yeah. the UK uh, yeah. that was around a lot longer than we have. Right. Um, we and if there had been something on a small scale that existed elsewhere, we, we didn't hear about it. So my co-founder and I, um, so Antonia Mocken is my co-founder. Um, we decided to put together a conference for freelancers by freelancers and sort of celebrate that professional independence because wow. with that, um, you know, comes that sense of agency in your in your in your work and that purpose and yeah. freelancers can control that better than no one else. So when you create a day, I've always been curious. Like, is there a process you go to? Do you have to register to say officially this is National Freelance Day, or <laughs> have you all. just norm you just called it that? We just call it that. Oh, okay, um, you the, can the, do it's, that. It's the brand basically. All right, so um, we so can we create a taking care of business day. You should absolutely. Care I should, that. shouldn't yeah. I? You've given me taking a great, a great right. idea. Um, but yeah, so the date has been flexible. I mean, we did it in November a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. This one's in March, right. but now that we've built a bit more brand credibility and an audience and yeah. a bit of a bit of traction, we'd probably want to keep the day consistent. And I speaking think. of brand credibility and audience, you can't do conferences without speakers or sponsors. And sitting right beside you is major partner of this conference, Oliver Garside from Rounded. Hello. Hi, Jackie. Good to have you here. Now, why are you involved in this conference? Number of reasons. Mm. Um, one, because the people going are slap bang in our target market for uh, people that we want to be uh, connected to. Um, but also, since uh, we met Cameron, um, we were always um, really impressed with his vision of supporting the freelance community. Uh, we talk to our customers all day, every day, and uh, we have a very keen sense that our product helps their businesses and has an impact on their lives, personal and professional, which yeah. are obviously now intertwined. Now, let's, let's talk about your product yes. and what the relevance is. And it's called Rounded. Correct. And it's an app. It is. Uh, it is the only Australian-built accounting app designed specifically for freelancers and sole traders. That's amazing. How, how did that happen? My co-founder, Grant McCall, uh, was a freelancer and uh, was frustrated by the lack of options around managing his own business. Right, so he was using, obviously, MYOB or yeah, all he, the other he, sort he, of... He tested a, a variety of, yeah. of uh, other products out there, of which mm. there are many, mm. um, but found them either not designed for purpose, badly designed, expensive, for use overseas, the list was endless. So mm. in the end, he built his own product um, to solve his own problem and, and then found through going through that process that he wasn't the only one that, that keenly felt the frustration. So thus Rounded was born. Um, I joined um, about just over two years ago now um, to help build the business and uh, we've been off and running ever since. And it's going well, I'm assuming. 
Well, we're still alive, you know. Yeah, it's every yeah, day, every day is a new day, and every day is a is a new challenge. But uh, we have a ever growing band of um, very uh, loyal and passionate users, and uh, they've given us a great deal of support and feedback and everything we need to to keep pushing and building the product. So yeah, yeah we're we're doing well. How many users do you have? We've got yeah. over a thousand now, mm. um, which you know we've built and and grown organically um, from the off the smell of an oily rag, I guess you'd yeah, call it. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, we've had uh, consistent and steady growth and, and uh, yeah, we're obviously we're, we're hoping that that continues. Yeah, and you're Melbourne-based? We are. But those thousand, is that, is that Australia-wide? Australia-wide. Or do you tend, because you're Melbourne-based, tend to have more Victorian users or not? No, no. not at all, actually. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, the, if we look at where our customers are based, um, predominantly Melbourne and Sydney, that's right, just where yeah. most people are. But yeah. we have a very broad... Uh, spectrum of customers across other states and in rural and regional Australia as well. So, I mean, that's the beauty of having an app, isn't it? That yes. it's, as long as you've got an internet connection, you can access it yeah. wherever you are. And what's sort of sort of the classic, typical profile of a user? Would they be sort of the you know, thirty-year-old solo IT person or designer? Have you, have you got a profile of your usual of your user? It's really hard to say. So mm. we we have many users that are what Cameron just described as a typical freelancer. So a creative photographer, videographer, designer, um, who who is what you would associate with being a freelancer. On the other side, we have uh, a number of um, trades. Um, blue-collar workers, um, electricians, builders who all need invoicing and, and, and accounting services. But brilliantly, we just have this amazing diversity of, uh, you know, we have a guy that runs fishing tours in Gippsland. Uh, we have uh, a, a gentleman who has a business um, that is sheep ultrasound. Amazingly, and and you know who, who knew that you could make money? So he has an yeah. ultrasound machine, yeah. and he contracts himself out to farmers and goes and tells the farmers when their sheep are pregnant. And mm. um, so that's a business too. So it, it's it's impossible to say. We have a real great diversity and, and multiple use cases for the yeah. App. I love those case studies because for those uh, not sure about it because it's an app and it's new and it's such an important role looking at your finance and your cash flow and things running a business. It's so nice to hear of other experiences. I suppose it then gives confidence and it's good that you're involved with the, a conference like this, that you come on a radio show like this and start talking about it and get the message message out there. So hopefully it'll grow, yeah, continue to grow. We have no doubt that it will. Have you got, you know, global domination on your oh, strategic yeah, plan? Absolutely. Of course you have. Absolutely. <laughs> complete and utter global domination. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I wish you continued success. You're going to hang around for the rest of the program, Oliver Garside and Cameron Rambo. We're going to talk a lot more about freelancing, but on the other side of this break, we are going to meet a very interesting lady who has developed an app for freelancers, but it's almost the polar opposite to accounting, and I'm going to let people guess what that might be. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. We are breaking free here today in the studio as we talk about the rise and rise of freelancing. And a lot of people become freelancers because they want to run their own business and they want a bit more freedom. And it's all around that uh, theme of free. It's the positive. But there's also a lot of struggles uh, and areas that are a little bit difficult to do. So we're going to have this whole show to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. But during this show, I would like to introduce you to our next guest who comes from the freelance world and she's created a freelance app 
Uh, uh, just like Oliver Garside that we've got here from Rounded, who created an app for accounting. We're also joined with Cameron Rambo here, for, who's the founder of Freelance Australia. But Steph Colella, I've pronounced that right, Steph? Correct, that's perfect. Oh, good, I've been practising <laughs> Steph Colella. She is from Beauty Junkie, and she's created an app for beauticians. Steph, welcome to Taking Care of Business. Thank you, Jackie. It's great to be here. Always good to have guests like you in here. Now, I'm interested in this. How did this happen? How did you, what was the idea? How did the idea that you create an app for mm-hmm. beauticians? Okay, well, as a makeup artist um, many years, I was frustrated with just that lack of exposure to new clientele. Yeah. And also, you know, I wanted a way to better manage my existing clientele. Mm. So, you know, in all of my struggles and in my, you know, day-to-day chats with industry people who are my friends as well and acquaintances, I saw that there was, you know, a, a gap, you know, in the marketplace. And I thought, well, how do we get these beauty pros for who are, you know, freelance spray tanners, makeup artists, to promote their own businesses and their yeah. brands. So we thought Beauty Junkie, how fantastic. Let's connect the beauty pros with their clients through technology in a seamless, really simple and convenient way. So we created this double-sided marketplace um, whereby the users, so the customers who book services, get a really awesome experience and the beauty pros are able to build their business. So it came from experience and I guess with technology doing wonderful things, you know, for us in the, um, in, in, you know, in all, all across different industries, I thought beauty is definitely one that, um, it was a, needs some help. <laughs> yeah, it was a beauty, wasn't yeah. it? A beauty idea. Uh, was there no one else doing it? No, I mean, my co-founder, um, which is my husband, Ashley, and I um, did some research in this about two years ago, and we, mm. we saw that there was quite, you know, a bit in the US, but again, there, it was more towards um, hairstylists who were renting space in salons, and so no one's really doing it in this way. Um, some apps really, um, you know, promote bidding of services and also they operate like agencies just to farm out work. So like Airtasker, for instance? Yeah, that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. Where if you sort of look at us um, as the Uber Eats of beauty, so you can order a pizza on Uber Eats, um, but you choose who and what you get that, you know, pizza from. So you've got different price points, you've got different restaurants, etc. The same with us, you know, these beauty pros can set their pricing, they know their value, they know their years of experience, they know their brands, um, and they know who their, you know, clientele are. So it's really about providing them with that digital platform to enable them um, to grow um, in their businesses and their brand. That's really important for us. So it was two years ago? Yeah, that two you years started. ago. So did two you years have ago. with the, you're a makeup art, you're yes. a makeup artist. So yes. where did you get the expertise for the digital side of things? Okay. So I've also, um, got a psych background and, um, an MBA. So I've always been interested in, um, business mm. and business processes. Handy. And so that comes in <laughs> handy. But my husband, so, and co-founder Ash is a guru in IT and ah, systems. So he's not an app developer per mm. se, but he does have, you know, some connections. And we went off and found a really good um, app development company as well yeah. to work with in Australia. And, 
yeah, we've just been, we've learned a lot along the way. Um, what, what, was, what were some of the key lessons that you've learned? Um, I'm basically, because that's development, I hear yeah. a variety of different stories. It's just a, you know, it's a, a process and a journey and you think you have it right at the start, but it's, for us, it was about consulting with industry and asking the beauty pros right along the way what they need and to test the app on an ongoing basis. So if we thought or the app developers thought something was really user-friendly, well, let's sort of test it mm. with some end users. So that was a really important um, lesson for us, as well as just, you know, obviously, you know, um, the usability and um, of it, that was really important. But, yeah, just ask lots of questions. Um, it's... And yeah, it was a fun process in the end. Yeah. What was the what was the time length? So just give me from when you first had that first meeting with this app with developer that, yeah. to when you actually launched, launched. the app. Um, a good twelve months. Okay. So yeah. you have like a rapid um, concept workshop. I think RCW that we had um, with them. We and then it was all you have different. Our app is you know you go to market with a lean product, mm. the most vi you know viable product, but we. Ash and I went a bit further than that because we wanted to address every issue or most of them that these freelancers have. So we didn't want to give them a half-baked solution. Yeah. So that's why it took us a bit a bit longer. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there, you know, this will be uh, an evolving process. There'll be new features, new functionality based on what the beauty pros and end users want. So, of course, yeah. which is, it's, it's a fluid yes. uh, thing. Oliver Garside, when you did the rounded app, did you have a similar experience when with the app development side of it? Ours was slightly different. We have an in-house team um, right. that's focused um, purely on our app, um, but the experience that that brings is probably very similar. And we found over over two years that the feedback that you get changes based on the way that the market changes, the expectations of what your competitors are doing, um, the expectations brought about by new technology. So there's things that we can do now that we couldn't do two years ago yeah, because the technology didn't exist. Mm. So, um, you know, it's a very fluid moving part of, of the business, yeah. um, you know, software development. Yeah, we, we're often asked, so when will it be finished? I mean, it's just mm. never finished, ever. Never, yeah. You know, there's always something to be done. I think that's interesting, managing expectations. I know when I was speaking to a lot of businesses, particularly in the digital realm, that that have an app associated with their business, like, oh, you know, it'll be two or three months, and I'm thinking, mm, really? Uh, so that was interesting. You said 12 months mm -hmm. sort of realist to be realistic mm -hmm. to get it right because there are so many glitches that it's difficult sometimes um, to predict mm -hmm. that may happen, so you need that, that buffer. So what advice would you give a business looking at developing an app now from, from what you know, Steph? Do your research. Um, find either a, you know a, a co-tech founder or an app development company who get you. You know that really you, you need to connect with them on a personal level mm -hmm. as well as professional. So you need to be. It's, you go through the highs and lows. So you need to be able to laugh with them. You need to be able to cry with them. You need to be able to air your frustrations. So. That's really important. And obviously people who know their stuff, who have won awards like Appster, who we um, have commissioned for the, you know, the app, have, have basically, you know, they've won awards, they're international. Um, and for us, it was about ensuring that our beauty pros and users get the best, yeah, so you know, product possible. So that, yeah. Credentials. Oliver, what, what, what advice would you give? Well, I would say it's quite similar to renovating. Oh, okay. So if you think, typically, if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you think about a yeah. renovation project, yeah. um, you know, often people say, whatever you think it's going to cost yeah. and however long you think it's <laughs> going to take, 
Double it yeah. and then some. That's really um, you know, obviously you can, you know, some projects are bigger than others, but, but definitely we found that, you know, oh yeah, we can do that in about four weeks. It's never in about four weeks because, yeah. you know, there's always a million other things happening that, that pull your focus away and, and challenges that you'd never expected and things not working as you thought they would. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably the, that's the thing that I've wonderful learned. advice. I think managing expectations is sort of part of it, isn't it? So Steph, with Beauty Junkie, how do you promote it? How do you get freelance beauticians, or mm. not that the beauticians is a yes. generic term, how do you get them on board? On board, okay. So I contact them. I've got a really good network and mm. we've got a good community of beauty pros in Melbourne. We've launched in Melbourne first, but we do have users in Sydney, in Queensland and Perth. But we, you know, it's about just meeting with them over a coffee, you know, talking to them about the app, finding out a bit about their business and see if there's going to be a really good fit because yeah. it's about partnership for us. Um, and, you know, we're doing a whole lot of digital marketing and PR and all, all sorts of things. But, you know, it's in day-to-day stuff. Everyone knows a beauty pro, yeah. um, and they may know someone who knows of someone. So it's just, you know, spreading the word that way. But it's also about um, it's sometimes there, you know, appears to be a, a little bit of hesitation when you mention, you know, technology in this space, people mm. are a bit hesitant. But once they actually experience it and they find out that, hang on, we're actually on your side and we're here to help you um, and pr- we'll provide you with, you know, a payment gateway and um, a, a virtual calendar and everything else, it makes their life so much easier. And, I mean, why not? It's like a no-brainer yeah. to them. So, yeah, it's a lot of conversations. And how many have you got on your on your books, so to speak? Um, our books, we've got around eighty beauty pros in Melbourne, mm. um, from all over Melbourne and across all different service categories. We've got a business development um, manager, Jay, who is doing a good job in going right across um, Victoria to speak to more beauty pros. And we've got, um, in terms of end users and customers, we've got about well, nearly 300 at the moment. And we've only launched, it's only been a month. So it's it's growing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's an exciting time yeah. for us. But, um, so yeah. looking at your marketing strategy, uh, I noticed that you're on, I've just pulled you up, you're on Facebook and Instagram. You've got yes. nearly 3,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine that would be... A big platform, particularly yeah. for, for your customer base. Very much so. Visual, it's, yeah. Do you, yeah. are you using influencers as part of your strategy as well? Um, we will in time. Mm. I'm always a bit skeptical about influencers. I want, if I find someone or meet someone who is classified as an influencer and they really get what we're about, mm. fair, we'll, we'll get them, you know, along for the, you know, the ride and the journey, but I don't, believe in just going to someone who doesn't quite get what we're about and just paying them. So it's really, I want it to happen naturally and it was as organically as possible. But yeah, I won't rule that out. Mm. Um, it's just the right influencer. Yeah. And of course, these beauty pros love all that, all the YouTubers, all the, you know, all these really high profile people in Australia, um, would, you know, obviously be a really good vehicle for us to get, you know, um, to market our, our app. But, yeah, that'll happen in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the content's good because it's mm. very visual, mm. isn't it? Everything, yes. all, the, all the beauty um, yes. industry is, is very visual. So you're going to hang around for the rest of the show. I want to pick that wonderful brain of yours mm-hmm. on, on freelancing. We've got mm-hmm. lots to talk about. You're listening to Taking Care of Business. We hope you're enjoying eavesdropping on this really interesting co- uh, cafe conversation today about freelancing. And we'll be right back after this. 
Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. That was Ariana Grande, if you didn't recognise that, with a song called Break Free. And we're talking about free today. We're talking about freedom and freelancing in particular. And we're talking about a conference that's being held at the Northcote Town Hall. And one of the speakers that is in that conference is on the line now and she's the founder and CEO of digital agency Integrity. I'd like to welcome Richenda Vermeulen. I hope I've pronounced that right. You have, Richenda Vermeulen. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you here, Richenda. Now, tell us a little bit about Integrity, a digital agency. Mm, Yes, so we are a digital strategy agency. We've been around now for about six years, we have a team of 20 across a couple of different states and mostly work with the not-for-profit sector and government really on helping them figure out their path and plan for the future. And But I was it. Integrity wasn't always this size. The first year that we existed, it was just me working as a freelancer, which is part of why I was speaking next week at the conference. Okay, so what are you going to be talking about next week? I'll probably share a little bit about my journey from, you know, thinking that this side passion or gig would uh, be something I do on my own to actually having a vision for something bigger, something that could make a positive impact on the world and how I was able to move from being a a one-woman show to build a team. Yeah, well, I think your background is interesting that you've managed to you started off, I noticed you started in social work, which is obviously an area of interest for you. And then I'm thinking, well, how did you transition from social work to digital? Oh, the global financial crisis. Oh, that's <laughs> that a good answer. My choice. I, was, um, I was working in Seattle, actually, at World Vision on a malaria program. And the global financial crisis happened and they were just laying people off left, right and centre and... Um, it wasn't the right time to start a new social program on malaria prevention, but they thought, let's start testing a couple of new things while, you know, we're in this difficult spot and saw that I did this competition on Facebook back in 2007 and said, hey, why don't we hire that Australian girl (laughs) to try this out for us just on a contract? And I went from, yeah, really, I guess, being focused on people and programs to seeing that come alive online um, mm. when I was working in social media for World Vision is also when the Haiti earthquake happened and we saw that for the first time ever it was like almost a quarter of a million dollars fundraised on through social media and it just stirred this passion in me which is you know that intersection of of cause and digital marketing actually having a really positive impact so it was all by accident but I would say I Use my social social work skills every day, whether it's listening to a client or um, helping a team member grow, coaching and mentoring. There's a lot of flat given to um, what people aren't learning in uni, and I would say that my social work skills have definitely applied to growing a business. Yeah, I really like that, and it also proves that skills can be transferable. A lot of people don't tend to get out of their lane and and see the possibility of that transference. So that's a really great story. I also noticed that in 2017, your agency, Integrity, commissioned some research on digital success, and I'm a bit of a research nerd, so that that drew my attention. And you did that to help you uh, understand the challenges of Australian companies. What were some of the key findings from that research? 
love a research nerd. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we conducted this research because we found that no matter the quality of the work that we put together, there were always these internal factors that we couldn't quite put our finger on that would hold a strategy back from being implemented. So we conducted this research to better understand what was going on inside organisations. And there are a couple of key standouts. One was that um, there is much more clarity, respect and measurement given to digital strategy if the CEO is the one that's championing it versus mm. just the head of marketing, yeah. which is generally the norm, that the head of marketing or the head of comms is the digital person. Mm. But just by having you know the CEO on board, they don't have to be an expert. They just have to be interested mm. and ask the right questions. And that significantly affected results. The other was this concept of a service swamp, where uh, often digital staff, marketing staff, um, are pulled into responding to requests from the rest of the organisation versus having the time and space to work on strategic projects that lead to better outcomes. So that's now one of the things that really informs our work with clients is do their teams have room to work on whether it's innovation or whether it's just things like measurement and strategy, and if they don't, giving them that room. Yeah, oh, how fascinating. Now, you said that look out for round two in 2018. What are your plans? Well, I would love anyone that's listening to fill out our, our research survey. It's on our website. Um, but it's really diving deeper into that. We want to better understand how companies have gotten out of the service form if they're in it right now. We want to look at more high-achieving companies as well and understand, you know, what's really impacted their culture. Is it about having more dedicated resource or is it just about that resource that they have having more freedom to work on, on more future-thinking projects? Or is it about tools and, and tactics? So it's really just trying to understand those success factors at a deeper level. So from your experience, uh, maybe the last 12 months, let's just put a, a time frame on that, what do you see some of the, the, the key issues or some of the digital skills gaps? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's the reason why we actually launched uh, our own digital marketing training academy called Integrity Academy because overall the research last year showed and it's already showing this year is that there's just huge skill gaps in uh, content marketing, automation, analytics, Google AdWords, all of those kind of technical digital skills. Mm. And that's partially because that's not something universities are teaching. That's not something technical colleges are teaching. It's definitely not something you learn in high school. Uh, so without that, I guess, formal training, a lot of graduates that want to work in marketing or communications aren't equipped to be hired in those roles, part of also why we have our intern program because we can't hire junior staff members with those um, with those skills either. Mm. So that's a big, I guess, finding again is, is seeing that we're starting already to see that that's still a problem. The other is that most organisations, the top area they are struggling with is marketing automation and analytics. So that will probably change the services that we deliver and offer. We'll probably have more of a skew to systems yeah. um, versus social media or uh, content creation alone. So, they're, yeah, they're some of the key areas, really. So, uh, I know you've got your crystal ball handy there. What, <laughs> so, if you're looking at it, what, what would be some of your predictions for the future of this, this area in digital? Mm. 
I think, here's one, this probably goes outside of marketing. I think that people are very sick of, on social media, you know, we in Australia we still have the highest use of social media in the world mm. um, and we are sick of fake content. We There is a massive fatigue in how brands are currently selling and marketing themselves online. Um, if I were to look at, in my crystal ball, I think there will be an emergence actually from people moving away from, from social media use, so less frequent social media use, or they will be drawn to more authentic content. And by authentic, I don't mean like fake stuff, <laughs> mm. like fake authenticity where people are just sharing lots of information. But I think when people are truly sharing um, parts of their story, their experience, words of encouragement, things that feel real, kind of those real-life connections that you can have with people. Yeah. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of, you know, online marketing channels are just full of ads now and just feel just too much. And I think that that's going to hit a tipping point and, and people are going to desire real content and real connection again. Okay. Oh, well, stay tuned. Watch this space. Now, I'm, I'm always interested. Uh, I come from a, a brand strategy background and I'm always interested particularly with founders of businesses, how they separate their own personal brand, so how they separate the Richenda brand from the Integrity brand. How do you do it? Mm, really good question. Not sure if I do well enough, really. <laughs> well, there's always room for improvement. I mean, nothing's perfect, but I, you know, is there any? Are you conscious of it, or have you never thought about it before? Well, I guess to be honest, like we have seen only positives in meshing the two. Mm. As far as you know, our integrity email that goes out once or twice a month is always written for me. I'm always, I guess, the spokesperson for the agency. Um, I think one of the things that's really important for us more so as an agency than for me personally is that our core values, I guess the core values that might come through from me as a brand are actually part of our core cultural values of, you know, being authentic, mm. um, being trusted, like being good to your word, um, saying hard things um, that need to be said regardless of a commercial outcome, like that's part of the reason behind our name is making the right choices regardless of whether they're the most you know, financially prosperous choices for us as an agency, um, which is what makes us different to, I guess, our industry. So I think rather than like how do we, how do I separate myself from the agency and build separate brands, it's more so how do we make sure that the agency can sit on its own without me? Yeah. and about my leadership, and I think that comes down to culture, the culture that you do. Yeah, okay, that's a really nice way to finish. Well, I look forward to meeting you next week. I'm also speaking at the conference and talking about the building a brand. So we'll be we'll be discussing that, and I can't wait to to hear to hear more from you, Richenda Vermeule, and founder and CEO of Digital Agency Integrity. Thank you for joining us on Taking Care of Business. Oh, thank you. I look forward to learning from you next week. And same ditto right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Uh, you're listening to Taking Care of Business right here on RLP. Then we're right back after this. Tom Petty, of course, oh, that's a really great song. I'm joined here today by Cameron Rambert, Oliver Garside, and Steph Colella. Col Perfect. Oh, that's a pr <laughs> pronunciation. We had R Richenda 
Vermeule and I've got, you know, I'm practicing my, I'm so bad at that. I always flag it. It's one thing that I always get nervous about is mispronouncing people's names. So I'm, I'm almost there. We're talking today about freelancing, the rise of the freelancer. And it is growing market, Cameron, isn't it? Do you, I've oh, sort of, it is. Yeah. It's really growing fast. It's a really fast emerging economy, actually. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. So something I like to, you know, talk about is, uh, when, uh, America coughs, Australia sneezes, sort of thing, and mm. and that's ex- uh, particularly uh, true when it comes to the rise of the freelance economy. Um, in the last ten years, uh, the US added approximately ten million new jobs, of which ninety four percent were temporary or freelance. Wow, that's incredible! And in America, they call it the gig economy, don't they? Well, I would actually uh, argue the gig economy mm. and the freelance economy are not the same. Oh, um, please yes. tell me the difference. Okay. I, I haven't rehearsed this definition out loud yet. I've written about it. Um, haven't published this is it. Good so practice. this is. This is, uh, can, guess, can you keep it short? Yeah, I can yeah, try. Okay, cool. um, so, <laughs> as we talked about the definition of a freelancer before being quite yeah, broad yeah. in the spectrum, uh, the gig economy is very specific, I think, to a particular type of freelancer who goes from gig to gig. Uh, I think there are certain levels of freelancer, uh, different stages of evolution. Um, you've got the ones who depend on platforms uh, like an Uber or a, a marketplace, for example, like Elance or Freelancer, um, and these just basically, you know, waiting for the next gig to come through just to pay their bills. And then you've got the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You've got the people who I define as artists, and they don't have to be artists in the creative sense, but um, artists in their own right. Um, so people line up to work for them, and they basically schedule them around their their availability. And I think uh, I wouldn't call them a gig economy, uh, someone from the gig economy. Um, they've got a lot more control of the variables around their professional independence, how, who they work with, why they work with people, you know, their social values as well. Um, whereas someone who might drive for Uber, for example, uh, doesn't have that luxury. So what, have you got a term for it yet? Have you created one? Uh, for which term? Well, not, not a gig economy, the opposite, like the, the freelance economy? Is that what you're Oh, yeah, so the freelance economy I think is a bit broader reaching, definitely. Right. Uh, the gig economy I would argue is very specific to mm. people who depend on that gig to gig sort of... Uh, okay. That's good. I love yeah. picking the best brains in the business world. <laughs> I could go on, but I, I know I'm conscious of time. Now, I want to talk about... We talk about free and we're freedom and we've got the free songs and it's freelancing and working from home and it sounds fantastic and it is. There's a lot of benefits to it, but it's not all rainbow and unicorns. We know that it is really tough and I'm always conscious of talking about that. So, Steph Colella went from the uh, beauty junkie. When you were creating your app, you mentioned uh, earlier on the program about how much time and effort you took to talking with your customers. Mm-hmm. What are some of their pain points or what are some of their common problems? Look, these, the beauty pros, you know, get their qualifications in whatever area, you know, it is of beauty. They leave from their course or whatever without any real business. Um, qualification or know-how. So they're passionate about beauty, they're passionate about their clients, they're not passionate necessarily, and broadly speaking, about marketing and business management. So that's not the fun side of things. So that's why we developed Beauty Junkie. But going back, it's really about um, they struggle with getting exposure and marketing their brand. We've got Instagram these days, which is 
fantastic, but there are thousands upon thousands of beauty pros on Instagram. Yeah. So it's hard to mm. find mm. Um, someone and they could, you know, have an amazing following, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're fabulous. Um, so it's about, you know, exposure, marketing. Um, you know, they still operate with their paper-based, you know, paper diaries. So, you know, if they're doing their beauty work on the side as a bit of a side hustle and they've got, you know, a part-time job or a full-time job just to try and make ends meet. They have to then do a lot of admin. So if clients are contacting them during the day or they've got lots of emails, lots of voicemails, lots of DMs that they have to get back to. So they struggle with getting back to um, clients in a timely yeah, way. And and that's, you know, and just, again, you know, the the financial side of things that's really yes. you know seeing how their business is tracking and and that sort of thing so it's really um it's hard it's really hard for them and they are entrepreneurs they're small businesses and if you you look at all of them and how many there are of them you just think we need to help these guys um so yeah that's a, a lot of our vision and our why is for a beauty junkie is to help these people. So your beauty pros that are listening today yes. and that are having trouble with their finance, they need to go and check out Rounded, <laughs> a nice segue, yes. Oliver Garside. When you're constantly talking to your customer base, what are some of their pain points? Actually very similar to what mm. Steph has spoken about. I think whether you're a graphic designer or a sheep ultrasound specialist, whatever you, you might be, um, we find the common thread amongst our diverse users is that they love what they do. They're subject matter experts in whatever particular field that may be. Um, and that's what drives them to be a freelancer, that they want you know, to have that control. But what also connects them is that the financial management side of the business is often time-consuming, uh, it's painful, especially at tax time. It takes a lot of time, takes the focus away from their, their core business. Mm -hmm. um, but based on the rise of the freelance economy, the gig economy, um, uh, businesses like rounded.com.au, like um, Beauty Junkie have sprung up um, to provide a very specific service uh, built for purpose to make that easier. And the, the greatest conversations we have with our customers are when they've been with us a few weeks and they text us or, or message us and say, I just don't know where I would have been had I not found you and you've changed my life and it's just made life so much easier. Oh, so, how good is that? Yeah. They're the best testimonials that you, Absolutely. Could, you could get. Yeah, and I think that echoes a lot of the sentiment for how Freelance Australia started and what we were saying earlier about um, regardless of the diversity of background, everyone uh, who freelances typically shares a common set of problems and challenges. Uh, so with the event we have National Freelance Day next week, uh, hopefully tries to highlight some of those issues and also provide solutions. Yeah, now well, you've got a good lineup of speakers, as I said, I'm one. <laughs> uh, we spoke to Richenda Vermeulen. I like that name. The more I say it, the easier it's getting. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to listening to what she has to say. Her, I, I like the zig and zag. You know, know me well enough to know that she started in social work and then she's zigged and then she zagged into digital. But she's been responsive to the environment. I love that it was a global financial crisis was the was the sort of the catalyst for her. What other speakers have you got on the conference next Thursday? Uh, yep. So we have uh, Layla Ford, who's the head of uh, Product International at Seek. Uh, her, her background was also um, at another Melbourne-based startup, uh, Envato, very successful one. Mm -hmm. uh, she helped create the Envato marketplaces. So she's got a really strong uh, background, not only in uh, the dynamics of how freelance marketplaces work, but also she's gone off and done her own thing in the past as well. Um, we've got uh, a local boy here, Luke Truen, uh, who runs Modern Visual, uh, talking about how he got started and built his agency from the ground up, initially himself and then into a smaller team. 
uh, who else? We've got Beck Lambert, the founder of the Freelance Jungle. She's flying all the way down from Sydney just to speak at our event, which is really, really awesome. That's really good. And how's ticket sales going? Yeah, fantastic. Big question. We've got um, around 135, 140 or so. Already uh, sold. Already sold with a week to go. Uh, so we've actually... Um, also developed a discount code for anyone listening today specific for oh, RPP we'll, FM users. We'll, we'll put that on. What is it? Uh, so it's RPP FM. That's the discount code. Oh, gives okay. you 25% off Easy. Uh, the ticket price. How many tickets left? 30. Oh, my God. Yes. They'll be gone. Sure. 30 <laughs> tickets. I'm just going to go and buy, buy my 30 tickets to make it look uh, it's a sold out. Okay, so that, that's not long to go. That's really exciting. Uh, now, with rounded Oliver Garside, what's next? Yeah, great question. Well, we're, we're uh, always working on the app. Um, the, the next thing that we want to get out, like one of the big features, is what we call an accountant portal. Um, so we're going to allow our users to be able to share their financial information online directly oh, with their accountants. Brilliant. So there's no removing the money yes. handling. So that's yeah. going to be a big thing for us. Yeah, and that's great. we need to get that out before tax time, end of financial year. So mm. that's probably one of the main focuses that's right now. That's your biggest focuses right yeah. now. Uh, Steph, what's, uh, what's next for you? Well, we'd really like to get, you know, more beauty pros registering with us in, in Melbourne, really getting that exposure. Um, you can download the app on um, the App Store. Yep. And also we've got a website, beautyjunkie.com.au for all the information. Yeah, and it's junkie, J-U-N-K-I-E. That's right. Was that because of trademarking? Or did no, you we know? just like, yeah, like the look of it. Okay, mm. awesome. And did you go through due diligence? Did you do the whole registering, domain name, trademark? Yes, all that. That was really, ASIC. yeah, all of that stuff. That yeah. took a long time. Oh, that's another thing. Um, but definitely <laughs> but it's important. very important. Really, very important, really important. Uh, the beauty pros, just quickly, are they, is it, there's some geographical limits because a lot mm -hmm. of beauty pros won't go, they have a certain patch, you know, mm -hmm. people won't travel further than, I don't know, 15 minutes or 20 yes. minutes. Is there, is that... And yes. Yeah. So what we do, we've got both private based um, beauty pros. So mm -hmm. if they've got a private studio, they work from home, or they rent some space in a salon. We've got beauty pros like that. We've also got your mobile artists, and via the app they can actually determine how far they wish to travel. So if they want to travel 50 k's, they can, oh, okay, and right. our app will calculate travel and itemise it in the cost for the customer. And um, if they don't want to travel, at, you know, more than 10Ks, that's fine as well. So, again, it's their brand, their business, their way. But um, Do you target geographical areas? Yeah, we, we do. We want to make sure that we've got, obviously, adequate services, so a really good, you know, representation of the different beauty services as well as price points and availability. Awesome. Yeah. Steph Colella? Colella. Kalala. 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 Lovely name. Just rolls off yeah. the tongue from Beauty Junkie. Thanks very much Thank for you. coming on, taking care it's of business. Great. Thank you Wish so you much. Continued success. It's good fun. It goes quickly. Oh, it's too quick. I could keep talk, talking all day. We'll have to get you back. We'll have to get you back. Oliver Garside, rounded. Always a delight to see Thank you. you we'll see you next week we'll at the conference. Week, Looking for a huge day. 30 tickets left. Oh my God, they're going to be sold already. Cameron, Rambart, always a pleasure seeing you. See you next week. All the best for the conference. Those wanting to know, they can just type in Adult PFM and you get a 25% discount. It's next Thursday, the 15th of March, 10 till 4, at Northcote Town Hall in Northcote. So. Uh, I should always just mention the address is nfd.org.au. So that's where you'll find it. Okay, awesome. All right. We hope you've learned something new today and feel inspired. We look forward to your company next Friday, 11am. In the meantime, stay ahead of the game and keep taking care of your business.